yeah, it was, I think, simultaneously the absolute best time of my life where I grew the most, learned the most, matured the most, but also the hardest, most grueling and stressful time. Like, I wouldn't ever take it back as, as hard as I know it was. Hello and welcome to We Are Beer People, a podcast all about the many different people who help us enjoy beer. I'm your host, Rob Cadwell, and I reckon if you're listening to this, then there's a good chance that you are one of the beer people too. You might be involved in the world of beer, you may want to find out more about the industry, or perhaps you simply enjoy drinking the stuff. So join me now as I have a chat with one of the beer people. So today I'm heading to Staines and to one of the local pubs of Haley Pierce, shift brewer at Siren Craft Brew. And Haley's brewing career started when she joined Fuller's as part of their graduate scheme, going through a number of different stations before being trained to run the big brew kit. She helped install and run the pilot kit at the brewery before joining a very different operation at Siren Craft Brew. Along the way, Haley has, in her words, had to figure out her way of doing things in breweries that have often been built around men with processes, tools and designs that haven't changed much in generations. And haley has been a proponent for opening doors and removing obstacles to help open brewing up to more people that might otherwise be put off. And this is part one of a two-part episode. In the first part, we focus mainly on Fuller's and the earlier part of Haley's career, whilst the second part picks up when Haley joins Siren Craft Brew. So join us as we have a chat with one of the beer people. Thank you very much, Hayley, for joining us today. No problem. Um, we're here at the Swan, which is a Fuller's pub on the side of the River Thames. Yeah, no, it's, it's lovely here. As far as sort of older pubs go, this is one of the nicest in my area anyway. Yeah. You know, being able to see the Thames, have a fire on, all that kind of stuff. It's what winters are made for. It, it is what winters are made yeah. for, exactly. It's very good. But yeah, thank you very much for joining us. And it's, it's good to be here. So um, where have you been today? So I was on the early shift at Siren Craft Brew today. Um, I've been on what we call the cellar shift. Um, so I've been dry hopping tanks, um, helping to yeast off the tanks. To yeast off, taking off the yeast at the bottom? Yeah, yeah, so we're moving yeah. the yeast from the bottom of the tanks. Yeah. Um, taking samples to see what gravity they're up to, uh, making sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Oh, all sorts of things. Um, what else have I been up to? It all blurs into one. <laughs> and then we have the cheek of inviting you on to podcast in the evening after, yeah, after yeah. you being on in the early. So, yeah, yeah thank yeah. you very much for that. <laughs> but I wonder if you can just take a moment and um, just give us a little overview of who you are and what you do. Yep. So I'm Hayley. I am 34. I'm a shift brewer at Siren Craft Brew. I'm originally from Lancashire. I came down to London to do a degree in biochemistry. That was at Imperial College. Um, 
and I had the plan to just go straight back home afterwards, but got my job at Fuller's um, literally within weeks of graduating. So didn't go back. Did still intend on going back, but then I met my husband. And so it's all his fault, basically. I'm stuck here. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's keeping you from going back. At the yeah, moment. yeah, yeah. Um, so was it always going to be beer? So you mentioned you went from uni uh, into Fuller's. Not necessarily. Um, I enjoyed beer and I enjoyed home brewing. I used to home brew with my dad. Um, but I hadn't really thought of that it could be a career. Um, I was in my final year at uni and I was working in the labs and I was looking at all sorts of different options and different um, sort of ways into trying different roles because I didn't know what I would be good at. Um, And I found all sorts of different graduate schemes, so some with like NHS, Mm -hmm. um, some with like pharmaceutical companies, that kind of thing. And... I'd been on um, a trip to Fuller's um, as part of my degree and um, it really got me thinking about how my hobby and my degree were actually really closely linked together because I'd never really put that link together before. But when I was thinking about actually brewing's a biochemical process and the yeast and all that sort of stuff, that got me thinking along those lines but I still hadn't got to a point where, yeah, this is a career path. I didn't really know how to put the two together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I was looking through graduate schemes, I just happened upon uh, an advert for Fuller's graduate scheme. And I was just like, ooh, what's this? And went through and it said, so like, oh, yeah, you can spend time in all different departments and then you can specialise in whatever you're interested in. And I'm thinking... Yep. Okay. <laughs> this is what I want. Awesome. I thought it was like it was made up at first. You know, maybe it would just be something that wouldn't really lead where I wanted to go. But going through it, um, I thought, no, I could, I'm pretty sure I can take this somewhere. So um, yeah, I went through a really long selection process for it. Took months. All these different things that we had to do. And then, and it was only the second year's worth of intake as well. So I didn't really know much about it. And then, yeah, in the end, they were only supposed to take two of us in, but they they just said that the applicants were so strong, they took three of us in. Um, yeah, and then didn't look back after that. Fantastic. I guess at a homebrew level, there's probably your first thing isn't thinking about microbiology no. um, of what you're doing. <laughs> it's just, will this make beer at the end of it? Um well, yeah, not even will this, like, make <laughs> beer. Like, it was kind of more like, will this make something that's drinkable? That's right, <laughs> it so the might bar was even lower. be beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might just be something that vaguely resembles beer and is just about drinkable, you know, and won't turn your stomach or make you ill. That's good, but it must have done all right if it didn't put you off the path of going into brewing then at that point. Um... <laughs> <laughs> hmm. um, we didn't have the greatest success rate with me and my dad. Um, I mean, temperature control for one was a massive problem. I remember having um, these big, like, plastic tanks 
of beer in my bedroom and I was trying to keep as you warm. do yeah, yeah as you do yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and so I put my own like ski jacket over the, <laughs> around the tank to try and keep it warm and it's so yeah I'm obviously sort of trying to sleep and I can just hear this thing in the corner of my room like blah, 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 and um like you've brought a creature in. Yeah, yeah. Alive. And stinking as yeah. well, you know, just like... Just letting making, off gases. Yeah, <laughs> making all the noises yeah. and all the smells that it was probably not supposed to. And yeah, mum was like, are you sure you're all right with all this, like, sulfur and stuff in your room? <laughs> like, don't really know, but it's fine. We'll find out. Yeah, yeah. so we did drink, like, quite a lot of it, but... <laughs> Whether anybody else would have drunk it is another question. I think we were quite, um, it was our little creature, so we were all right with it, but I think anybody else might just spat it out. I definitely remember my first sort of brews were uh, ones I did at uni, which was like an extract kit or something mm. like that, one of those sort of hot syrup tins. Yep. You sort of heat up, mix together, probably added the yeast way too hot and all that sort of stuff. Definitely yep. fermented it like way too hot as well, I think, because yep. we had like a student house where the heating wouldn't go off oh that was warm um and it made alcohol so that's something that's but yeah i definitely don't remember much about it and threw a lot of it away and then the difference for me was then going into all grain and yeah, yeah nerding out on stuff a little bit more to go right the fermenting bit which i pay no attention to is actually really important yeah 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 yeah, yeah exactly that's where you're gonna you know if you're gonna form sort of off flavors and things like that or yeah or drive them off then got to get that's it right. That's the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. the moment. So, yeah, I think that was the biggest struggle with homebrew. Just until you've got a fairly reasonably well-controlled kit, it's just so hard to keep all of your variables where they're supposed to be. And before you sort of really know what you're doing, you don't really know what you're trying to control and when and why either. Mm. So It's such yeah. a rabbit hole of like yeah. and finding out why you do stuff yeah like, it is whether it's received wisdom or actually there's a real reason why you do it and it yeah create x y and z and all that and it wasn't as easy back then to google everything no you know google was almost in its like infancy back then and so anything that my dad tried to pass down to me well he probably just mostly made up so <laughs> <laughs> you know um well neither was like died so that's right, you're here to tell <laughs> the tale. Poisonous, that's yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That's which, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably not true from a microbiology point of view, but no, we're still here. So yeah, yeah, we never did figure out what it was that made my dad's eyelids flaky. But I'm sorry. <laughs> one of the beers we made made my dad's eyelids flaky. Really? <laughs> yeah. We <laughs> oh couldn't God. figure out why. Yeah. It was just the weirdest thing, but um, we didn't put two and two together at first. My dad was just like, oh, I've got some sort of like weird expert or something on my eyes. Um, and then we wouldn't drink in the week and it would clear up. And then drink in the weekend and it would come back. And then everyone, <laughs> wait, hang on. Every, every time we do this. <laughs> yeah, every time we drink this beer, your eyelids go weird. So, yeah. yeah. A, a full sensory experience. Yeah, yeah, beer. yeah. yeah. <laughs> fair play. Uh-oh. So you, you're in Fuller's then. What were your first roles you were doing when you were at Fuller's? So I joined on the graduate scheme, which meant we all went on six-month rotations, or they were supposed to be six months, but it depended on what you were good at and what you were passionate about. Mm -hmm. They could change the length so that you would still get some input and to see things. 
um, but spend more time on the things you were really good at. Um, so I started out in what they called green team. So it was still sort of a fairly new thought at the time, but it was all about um, how to save energy and prevent waste and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so it was crazy. I went around loads of different Fuller's pubs and they they wanted to roll out LED lights to the pubs. That was one of my big jobs, like go around all the pubs and like make a note of every single light bulb that they had. Wow. And then try to find an LED version of this light and then try to convince the manager that he wanted to swap over to this LED version, which they never did want to swap over to. Yeah, it's so, more expensive to buy a LED bulb up front, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And they just always said, because LED lights back then were naff. And so what the managers were saying was truth. They were saying it doesn't have the atmosphere, it doesn't work, they don't yeah. look nice. They were all bright white, yeah, almost bright blue, white, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. massive, yeah. Um, not dimmable, mm. all that kind of thing. So... I spent most of my time basically just burning my fingers trying to get light bulbs out of places I probably shouldn't have been doing. Because <laughs> um, I'd always ring ahead and go, make sure you don't put any of your lights on this morning before I come. Yeah. All the lights would be on when you got there, obviously. D- deliberately, maybe. Yeah, 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 to make sure I burn my She's coming. Yeah, 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 turn them all on. <laughs> Even the ones we don't need. Um, yeah, so I did a lot of that. And then... Um, yeah, I've worked on all sorts of strange things that I didn't even know existed. Like... Um, voltage optimization and all sorts of things so it did open my eyes to a lot that then sort of later took me into a more personal journey of like environment and stuff like that mm-hmm. um so yeah that was a good start and then um from there i moved into operations and i had loads of different projects because there was lots of different managers within operations so some of my projects were on the bottling line so it was about optimizing the bottling line so that was really interesting where are the pinch points on a bottling line um, how do you improve efficiency of it that kind of thing then there was things like how do you optimize the cip of tanks i had no idea how to research it all and cip being like cleaning in place cleaning in place yeah yeah, yeah. so um and the thing that was always quite strange would be that because you had just been thrust into this role and essentially had no knowledge of any of it, <laughs> you had to go within this six months from zero to an expert in that field to convincing the team that had been doing this job for years and years and years that you may know more than them that you've learned in one week and, <laughs> <laughs> and convince them to change yeah. to what you want them to do. So um, it was never easy. It was, there was always that like, well, it isn't broke, so we're not going to fix it. I think um, especially Brewer, like Fuller's, um, yeah. it's been around for a very long time. Yeah, 1845 exactly. or so, wasn't it, at that yeah. site? And then people have been there for decades. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and some of the people that worked there had worked there since they were sort of 17, 18, and they were 65 when I met them, you yeah. know, so... So it's a quite a hard task for you then to come yeah. in and say, uh, this is what we need to do. Yeah, but I did do some, some good projects on that. I remember... Um, giving like presentations for Thames Water and at some engineering conferences and things like that that was all about um, what we'd done with the CIP and how mm-hmm. we improved it and stuff. 
And I take that forward with me everywhere now. So, like, that's something I'll look to do at Siren when we get to that point. Um, so, yeah, there was loads of projects within that and loads of support as well because, all of, obviously, having all those different managers was like having lots of different mentors. Yeah. So I found that I grew quite a lot within that bit and it also meant that I was spending time in the brewery. So I was like, ooh, brewery <laughs> tanks, ooh, shiny. So, you know, that got me more into this idea that I want to be within production. Then I was supposed to spend six months in marketing. Um, but when I got there, I was pretty terrible at it. <laughs> I just didn't really have the marketing vibe. I didn't have the creativity in that sense. So apart from coming up with one of the beer names, which I was really proud of, I came up with the football beer name, um, which was Two Habs. Oh, that was very good. <laughs> Don't think that could ever be beaten. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that. pretty proud of that. That's pretty cool. Um, I'll leave on a high. So, um, yeah, so I asked if I could, if I could move on because I didn't feel like they were gaining anything from me and I, I wasn't really gaining anything from trying to market things. That's fair <laughs> um, enough. But I guess that's the beauty of that kind of scheme if you have got that flexibility and you can well, exactly, move on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think what I hadn't realised before I went into that role was that in a, such a massive company, you don't do a lot of marketing yourself. A lot of it is send an email to this person and tell them what you want and then wait for them to do it for you. Um, so I moved on from there to purchasing and that was partially swung by me because I wanted something that would take me back towards production. So being within purchasing meant that I could work on, for example, who would do our canning. So, cause fullers don't do their own canning. Mm-hmm. So working on the projects with the, the guys that like, Ran the bottling line and stuff like that. So that was good. And then I remember working on who was going to supply the honey for Honeydew and just like inviting these like massive companies like Rouse Honey in and just be like, right, so <laughs> what, what are you going to do for me? You know, and it was just like really quite entertaining at times um, and interesting. It showed you quite how far forward the companies have to think. You know, you have to have um, all of your ingredients agreed and set in place so far in advance, especially if you're going to keep going, brewing, keep it all going, even if something goes wrong. Yeah. You, you have You've got to have contingency. those contracts. Yeah. Yeah. So that was quite eye-opening. Yes. I guess things like hop contracts and all that sort of stuff are yeah. years out, aren't they? Yeah, the yeah. Grain, I mean, it's all got to be grown. The farmer needs to know that... Um, they've got a customer for it when it's grown and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't realise that until before then. I also didn't realise how much I like going to the races either. (laughs) (laughs) It was all right when it was free. Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. you're not losing anything as well on those days. Yeah. You're fine. That's very good. So yeah, so you sort of worked your way through to that and then um, as was part of the rotation that you got to go on to brewing at some Um, point. So I got to the, towards the end of my purchasing rotation, And at that point, I was like, yeah, I really want to dip my toes into the brewing side of things. Um, Georgina Young was in charge at the time. And I've sort of tried to attack it two ways. 
So I knew that you could do some qualifications in brewing that you could relatively teach to yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So I thought, right, well, I'm going to start the first one. Um, So I started doing my certificate in brewing while I was still in purchasing. And I also thought, right, go and chat to George, which at the time, obviously, George is an amazing, lovely woman. But I was a little bit like, need to really put my big girl pants on for this. (laughs) So I remember sort of going to see her and just trying to explain to her how I felt about it and was there anything that she could do that meant I could dip my toes in and if not sort of prove to myself, try and prove to others that they could give me a go and see. And I remember she she said to me, well, Hayley, you do know it's not actually glamorous. And I was like, (laughs) no, I know, I know. Like I understood, I'd seen what the guys did. I knew it wasn't glamorous and things. She was like, okay. And then um, after chatting for a bit, I think she could sort of see in me that I just wanted to give it a go and see. Um, So, yeah, she decided to just give me that chance and she said I could join the team for six months, but that I had to start right at the bottom with the most dirty, rubbish job possible. (laughs) What's the the worst job then? So um, I started off on the power flow shift. What they, they called it power flow. It was um, running their sort of giant heat exchanger that um, takes the work from the kettle, cools it, and transfers it to the FE, the fermenting vessel. But yeah, so you had someone whose whole job it was to do all of these transfers and clean the FEs and connect all the hoses up. So I have been back since and they've got a lot more pipe work now. Mm-hmm. But then when I joined, the what we called like the workway was above your head. And so for me, not only was it above my head, it was really high up <laughs> compared to me. And the hoses, like they're three inches wide. So they're massive and they're not very flexible. So you'd have these really heavy hoses and you had to... Um, connect them up to like a fitting above your head and you'd be sort of like wrestling with it and trying you couldn't see what you were connecting it to because it's above you you're trying to like fit it on and god's like the amount of times the guys would just be standing there like watching me just giggling in the corner like thanks guys yeah (laughs) yeah 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 and um oh sometimes like you'd think you'd get it but then it would slip off and smack you in the face or something it's like oh no god it's definitely, yeah, given the job to make sure if you like that, then you probably will stick around for the other stuff as well. Mm. Yeah, so, um, and I think the other thing was I'd never done shifts either. Mm-hmm. So suddenly being thrust into like 5.30 starts, I just didn't know what I was doing. Like, no. <laughs> I was, not for I, the first four hours or so. <laughs> yeah, but not even that. I didn't even know how to like run my life mm. with a shift pattern. I'd, I'd get up in the morning and the amount of times I'd go to work and be like, oh, I haven't got any food. Oh. Like, and I just hadn't <laughs> thought ahead enough yeah. that I would need to prepare food the night before and take it with me. 
because I was so used to just the office rule, get to 12, you waltz off to the cafeteria, get whatever you want for an hour. It wasn't like that. You didn't get an hour's lunch break where you wander off and get whatever you like. Your, your lunch was taken in random bits and bobs, in and around. In between a process. That's yeah. it, yeah. yeah. You, you know, you might set a clean going on an FB and be like, right, okay, well, I've got 20 minutes. I'm going to quickly go and eat something. And I remember sort of slowly getting used to this idea that I would need food. Um, and so there was a few times where I'd remember on my way to work that I needed food and I'd like, all I could do was bob into the nearest shop. And <laughs> I remember one day that my food for the day was a bunch of bananas because that's all I'd managed to grab. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And then guys just looking at me like, what are you doing with that bunch of bananas? I just, I just like, love bananas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> damn. <laughs> so, yeah, I wasn't, yeah, I just wasn't very good at that side of things because I'd never done it. I hope you're enjoying our chat. And if you like what you're hearing, there are a few things you can do that really help us out and help other people find the podcast. Follow or subscribe to We Are Beer People wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review or rating. Or share the episode on your socials or even in actual real life. And if you want to stay up to date with all things We Are Beer People, you can visit our website at wearebeerpeople.co.uk where you can sign up for a monthly newsletter. And you can follow us on social media at We Are Beer People. And if you have any questions or comments or want to hear from any beer people, then pop me a message. Now, back to the podcast. But, but even just things like the terminology for things and the, the tools, you know, like, because the, the guys are trying to train me and they assume a certain amount of knowledge. So they'd go like, oh, um, pass me that three inch RJT. And I'd be thinking, Okay, firstly, how big is three inches? Um, And then (laughs) secondly, what's an RJT? So um, just stuff like that took me ages. um, And trying to learn what pump was for what. You know, because they would say, oh, yeah, and attach it to the CIP pump, you know, as opposed to a pump for work or whatever else. I was like, oh my God, which one's which? Meanwhile, yeah. you're, you're just looking at a load of like connections. And yeah. Stuff, and like, yeah what, does it, what does this go to? Yeah. Yeah. Or they'd say, um, oh yeah, so just put that swing bend on the manifold. Um, of course. It's like a whole yeah, another well, language, isn't it? It is yeah. a whole different yeah. language, yeah. It's probably like brewing language plus Fuller's layer of brewing language yeah, as well. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. And so even just that took me ages. And then they had the physical side of things but they also had it on a computer as well. So you had to not only find your way around the brewery, which when it's on three levels and several different rooms, so confusing, I got so lost. But then you had to also relate it back to what you could see on the screen um, and understand that some of the valves were manual, but some of the valves you controlled on the screen. And so if you ever, if you needed to make a route from one place to another, you have to think to yourself, right, some of, like, I've got to control some of these valves on the computer, but I also need to remember which ones were hand valves and oh, the amount of times I just would nearly do something. And that sort of feeling, yeah. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, just, um, yourself, yeah. you know what they say about like, sometimes learning is like really uphill. Mm. It felt like a 
cliff that I was dangling off backwards. <laughs> so I was like clinging up to dear life. Like, please let me get through this yeah, six yeah. months and not fall off this cliff. Yeah. But you did go over that cliff then? Yeah. I just about made it through. And so I went back to George and said like, right, I've made it through that. I, I'm still really keen. You know, I bet every single one of Sainsbury's bananas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I know what I'm doing. And so she said, right, okay, we'll try you on the yeast shift. So that was a whole other ball game. Um, You had to crop all of the yeast from the tanks and they had um, yeast storage vessels. Mm -hmm. So you'd be storing it in the vessels ready for pitching. Um... But there was also, they had like yeast storage tanks as well outside. So you'd be cropping from FEs into yeast storage vessels. That would be used for pitching, but not all of it. Mm-hmm. The bits you didn't use, you would empty out and put into the yeast storage tank outside that was waste. So that would go to, say, Marmite, for example. So if Marmite turn up in the big lorry, you've got to go and sort them out and empty these massive yeast tanks into their lorry which is fine until it's the middle of February and it's freezing and it's like six in the morning. Yeah, and then you're so, out there connecting yeah. pipes again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that are covered in freezing cold yeah. yeast. Yeah, that was... Not the one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I would just pretty much get covered in yeast every day. I smell really bad. Um, smell my tea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and but it was one of those weird things where you sort of got used to it within your team so you'd you'd like get to the end of your shift and because the shifts were so early you'd be done at say half one in the afternoon and so you and some of the guys on the shift would be like oh yeah let's go to the pub and so you'd just be there in the pub stinking the whole place out but not really knowing because you were all just yeah you've got no filter anymore yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah, and that, that shift was really time sensitive because everything that was happening around you, you needed to have ready in time for something yep. else. Um, and the fermenters they had at Fuller's were put in in sections. And so they were all slightly different. So you had to get used to the way you would crop those tanks and the way you would crop those tanks. And everything all just slightly different. But yeah, eventually got all the way through that six months. And then spoke to George again I was like yeah I've done that <laughs> yeah. um, I did have a few hiccups <laughs> but yeah mostly calamity free what were the hiccups then if, if you don't mind me asking <laughs> um, well one of my biggest hiccups was um, one day um, I was rushing around towards the end of a shift and I needed to empty one of the yeast storage vessels and to do that, you, ha- you had the hose coming from the bottom of the yeast storage vessel and you had the hose that led to the outside tank and you had to connect those together and then open the vessel on the computer screen. So I'm dashing around and trying to get samples and bits and bobs. I'll get my two hoses ready and then make sure that the tank is up to pressure. I had to have it at one bar so that it had enough pressure to force all the yeast out. So, yeah, I'm at pressure. <laughs> um, and where the computer was in this little office was just to the side of the where the tank was. So I go in and it's just as simple as just 
pressing basically open on this automatic yeah, big red button yeah 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 <laughs> so um press open and the hose that was attached to the bottom of the yeast vessel just started like a snake firing everywhere there was like it was just like oh no yeast firing all over the room yeah Yeah. and like in my panic i didn't know what to do yeah (laughs) and then just at this at the side of that tank were some stairs the guy that was training me came running down the stairs and he's like what are you doing and I'm just like, oh. and he's like, close the valve. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So, we're like, close the valve. But by that point, I mean, it must have only been, I don't know, five seconds. Yeah. yeah. In, in slow motion, though. Yeah, yeah. All in slow motion with me feeling like it was about 10 minutes yeah. worth of firing yeast all over the yeah. brewery. There's now a snake but, in the brew house. And oh, stuff it was like, everywhere. It was oh all God. over the ceiling, all over the walls. <laughs> All over the tanks. Oh my god! Yeah, one bar's going to do that, isn't yeah. it? Just shoot yeah, it everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the out of like it was a one and a half inch hose, so it was just yeah. There's some hydraulics involved in that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, oh god, I felt. I remember feeling so bad afterwards. I was walking home from work and I rang George because I was like, George, um, I need to admit I've done something because <laughs> I just thought I better just tell her. I just need to like cleanse myself of this so yeah and she was just not actually that bothered she Uh-oh. was like have you have you have you washed it down have you now closed the valve yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no she was just like have you have you washed it down yeah. it's like yeah 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 she's like all right then well yeah these things happen see you tomorrow That's it, so yeah. i was just like oh okay fine few it's quite an experience though and probably something that makes you think every single time now when you're doing anything similar yeah 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 definitely um because there's always that mantra of making sure you have understood what your route is doing before you actually open any valves Mm. um so i still do that now at siren i'll start at the end of my route go all the way back to the beginning and make sure have you got all the right valves open does it go where you think it's going because it doesn't take much to just no to have a valve pointing one way than a yeah something like that and i guess every brew house is so different so bespoke yeah um you could be an expert at fuller's yeah go to another brewery and everything's completely different it might even be a smaller brew kit but it's got you know completely different connections different software yeah different kind of terminology all that sort of stuff so you have to learn that again yeah, it's. I was surprised actually how much I had to learn because I thought, well, I've been at this like eleven years now. Pretty sure I know what I'm doing. But Fuller's must be a good place to learn. Um, turned up at Siren and I was just kind of like bombarded with new stuff. <laughs> um, again, even just the terminology is different. So where the brewers are trying to explain to you, well, this is how we do this process. Um, Where we would say, for example, at Fuller's, we'd say we were researching the work within the mash tun, so to clarify the work. Um, And at Siren, they were saying, oh, yeah, so in order to do the Vorloff, a (laughs) Vorloff? What is this strange thing? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, But it just depended, I think, who had set that brewery up and who had taught the people that worked there and what they called it. Mm. So 
it's the same process, but they just had different terms for it. Um, and then where I'm used to calling the power flow power flow all the time, they have heat eggs. And you just get so... You knew yeah. what they so were. You've got to adapt, though. So you're yeah. Sort of, yeah. Like you find yourself in France or something, you need to quickly <laughs> yeah. learn the language there. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think I sort of thought going from big to small would be relatively easy, but I think it's harder. I think probably going from small to big would be easier. Mm. Um, I think going... I, I sometimes feel like I sort of did my career backwards. You know, kind yeah. of started out massive in this big brewery with loads of automation and then went somewhere small where everything's hands Done by on. hand, yeah, yeah. Yeah, manual yeah. and stuff. Um, when I listen to other people's stories, I'm like... Mine's story is completely backwards compared to yours. <laughs> Used a different yeah. door. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. After you're uh, looking after the yeast and taming yeah. that hose that was sort of just going <laughs> yeah. all over the brewery, um, what did you do after that? So after that, went to George again. Um, and she said, okay, um, I'd gotten my certificate in brewing and... I'd started my diploma in brewing by then. And so she said, well, I can see you keen. You're doing your diploma. That's great. Let's start you off as a brewer's assistant so that you can see more of the brewery and relate it to what you're studying and stuff like that. So I started off as an assistant. Um, And at Fuller's, that meant that you were measuring out all of the raw materials. Um, so you would measure out all the hops. You'd be in the hot loft for hours <laughs> <laughs> each day. Because um, you were measuring out tens of, well, hundreds of kilos of hops into these giant buckets. Um, and all the um, sort of powders, so, you know, like yeast bit and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You'd be measuring all that out. Um, but... <laughs> It, it probably sounds fairly simple, but when there are so many different hops, and the first job is just like, right, where is this hop? You know, going yeah. round. Try and find that. Trying to find is it a fridge it. or a freezer? Kind of in a fridge, yeah. yeah. Well. Like, Spending like, a lot of time in a fridge then trying to yeah, find a hop. like a giant walking fridge. Yeah. yeah. Um, which was delightful in, in summer. You know, if you yeah. were too hot, it was great. Yeah, just stuck into that. Um, yeah, if you were already cold and you went in the fridge, it was even more cold. Um and yeah so once you'd found the hops then it was a case of right okay how much do I need and you'd often need boxes and boxes of hops and they're 20 kilos at a time so you'd be like right it's probably up get, and downstairs at this point um, is it, or? it was all it was all on a flat within okay, there yeah, that's good. but um yeah you sort of you know these boxes are quite unwieldy they're really strange sizes and shapes these like big long rectangles and <laughs> so they for me I was kind of like how am I even going to carry this stupid big box and go you know, take it over and then you had to you had your big bucket on the weighing scales and weigh it all out yeah so it take you a long time because you had to weigh out four brews worth of hops so all of the next day's hops and tick it all off as you're going along um, so, yeah, that'd be part of your job. And then another bit was um, when you do the milling, and a lot of the milling, to be fair, came from a silo. So, like, the main 
pale ale malt was in a silo. But then there were speciality malts that you had to add by hand. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> when I first started there, I, I don't think they have them anymore. When I first started there, they had 50 kilo sacks of malt. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so the guys that were adding this malt had been doing it for years. And they basically tried to show me how to add this malt to, they called it the chute. It was basically a hole in the ground that led to where the malt was going. But when you were in the malt loft, the chute was up a step. So you had to, you had like a ramp up to the chute and you had these giant bags and they had these sack barrows. And so they'd sort of, shuffle the sack onto the barrow and they'd have like almost like a runway up to the um, up to the chute and they they just like perfected it like it was some sort of ballet it sounds like an Olympic like, sport yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> it just was like yeah. I remember like watching shot, just it, yeah I was in absolute awe of these of these people um, because back then as well um, the bags didn't have like pull tabs like they have now they were just this weird string thing where you had to know exactly which string to pull, otherwise it wouldn't open the bag. I know the one you mean, actually, and I always, yeah. you end up making it worse if you can't yeah, pull anything. exactly, so you, yeah. You're just there with scissors or something. It's, yeah. it's the only way. So they would, like, just... They'd have a knife and they'd just nick a little bit of the string. It'd magically they'd, come apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just pull it. Yeah, yeah easy. And then... They'd like uh, rock rock the whole thing sort of back and like take a run up at the, yeah. <laughs> at the shoot. Um, and they'd get to like the perfect bit of the ramp, stop and just sort of flick the, <laughs> the whole barra and, and the uh, bag would just like, almost in slow motion, just like... <laughs> into, into the chute and then and all the malt would just magically fall into the chute and then all they had to do was just grab the bottom of the bag and shake a few left bits in and that was it it was yeah. like wow like a tablecloth just yeah done. yeah, yeah <laughs> done, exactly yeah. I can't imagine that going past any health and safety <laughs> yeah. Of the, yeah. the process video for this is what you need to do yeah yeah what so yeah, yeah so, they, so they were trying to teach me to do that that was terrible at it yeah. like like I would either I didn't know what string I was pulling, so I was constantly trying to yeah. figure that out. Then I didn't know where to stop on the ramp, so I'd either stop too soon and the bag would just go on the floor and bolt <laughs> everywhere, or I'd stop too late. And if you overshot the chute, the malt went all over the stairs behind the chute. Oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so there'd be, like, malt just cascading down the stairs. Oh, the stakes were very high then, weren't they? To get yeah, that? yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So, anyway, sorry, that was um, one of the, one of the other jobs. I'd say they were sort of like the bulk of the jobs, and then uh, and then the other bits were sort of then moving stuff around. So, when you measured hops out, for example, in the morning, you had to go and get them all from the hot loft and put them in the lift, which was a whole different debacle. Trying to do like hot bucket Tetris into the lift um, and then and get them on barrows and take them all the way around to the brew deck oh, and I kept spilling them on myself oh, right. <laughs> um, first yeast now hops oh yeah yeah I was constantly covered <laughs> basically in beer at this point yeah 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 <laughs> yeah because um, yeah, there was like ramps everywhere and it took me ages 
to figure out my own way of doing stuff. And I'd be just constantly trying to copy the guys. So, for example, I'd be going up um, a ramp with a barrow with big, massive buckets of hops on. But because I'm so short, by the time I get the barrow halfway up the ramp, the buckets are kind of like horizontal. So they would just fall off and the hops yeah. would go all over me. I did eventually realise I could just walk backwards up the ramp. I didn't have to go forwards. But I didn't know that at first. No, but I guess it's all those, why would you? And well, yeah. There's all these processes that have yeah. been in place. They've used them for decades. They've always worked. And yeah. like you're now encountering times when it doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't think they'd ever had to teach someone quite so small before. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, that was quite interesting, coming up with my own versions of stuff. And the amount of people that would go, you know, it's easier if you just push it forwards. Like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I've, I've tried that, don't worry. Yeah. This is my way. Uh, that's great. So that was as a brewer's assistant. Yeah, yeah. So did that for six months, carried on with my diploma. And then, so I'd got two of my diplomas modules through by them. And then they said, right, okay, you're ready. We're gonna we're gonna train you on the it's on happening. the kits. Yeah. And I was just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, the best thing ever. So, um, but it was really funny because the the stuff I remember from those sort of first days were probably not all the things I was taught. It was all just like odd things, like that one of the brewers that taught me used to cook his breakfast on top of the mash tun. <laughs> just okay. random I'm sure a long, like long that. time ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, he would just like have his breakfast in some foil and he'd just be warming it up on Bastion and wow. just stuff like that. Well, that's saving energy, isn't it? So, but, yeah, there you he, go. He's not yeah, using yeah, yeah. energy elsewhere to do that. Yeah. yeah. And just sort of remembering that I'd be there at half four in the morning trying not to fall asleep, trying to listen to all of this knowledge that they're trying to pass to me. Yeah. I'm just like... Absorb don't it sleep, all. don't yeah. sleep. Try and soak it all in. Be a sponge, but not a sleepy sponge. Yeah. <laughs> so it was sort of fun but intense at the same time. Um, and I think the the volumes that we were working with, it gave you that pressure feeling of like, don't mess this up. This is a lot of beer. Yeah. Like if if you do this wrong, you've made a real big mistake so um i mean it wasn't stressful in that way but there was just this feeling of like you know you're not messing around it <laughs> this is big um and i remember on my first day of being taught um, they'd taken me around all the different vessels and things and then they showed me into the um, they call them coppers siren call them kettles um, so they showed me into the copper and I looked down and even though I sort of I'd already knew how big the, the coppers were because I'd seen the bottom of them and I'd seen the top looking down into it I just suddenly realised the enormity of this tank and I was like jeez like <laughs> Thinking about it, of course they're that massive. They're they're on three stories of the building, so of course they're ginormous. But um, when you're at the bottom of the copper, you can only see the bottom, and then uh, the ceiling of that build of, of that room. 
and when you're at the top you can only see the very top and then the floor of that room yeah. so it's only when you actually look into them you're just like wow yeah, yeah. yeah. this is ginormous yeah. <laughs> and I'm in um, control of it yeah. yeah yeah exactly how many um what size was the batch that you were doing um so you do up to 596 hectoliters in each copper but if you were doing a party gal, you were using both coppers at the same time. So, yeah. Just sort of spinning plates there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I'll tell you that, yeah, that confused your mind, party guiling. It's, it's amazing, actually, when you get used to it. It's such an amazing way of brewing. Um, but getting used to this idea that you're using two mash tons, two coppers, and maybe four different FVs and you might be making three different beers but all using this, the same equipment at the same time and yeah. you, the, the sort of maths and prep that goes into how we're going to make three different beers from essentially all the same work and just mix it in different proportions um, it was that was complicated enough in itself but there was things to take into account like well, depending on what tank you were filling, like which FV, you'd have a different amount of work in the line leading up to it. So you had to take that into account. And so, because to, to get all of your gravities right in each tank, you had to make sure every single bit of the transfer was, was right. So... Oh, yeah, trying to learn that. It just makes me think, uh, they always talk about brewing as an art and a science, and it's totally that there, isn't it? So you've got to really get your head around all of that, which I'm guessing your microbiology background probably helped with in in some way of sort of being able to sort of uncover that and navigate your way around that, Um, but then also doing it in real life as well, juggling all of that all at once amongst everything else that's happening. Yeah, so... Yeah, I'd say the biology side of things, I I could learn what was happening within the tanks, for example. You know, what's going on within the math? Mm. I understood that. But the mechanics of how you actually move the liquid around, nothing had prepared me for that. Yeah, like a new skill. Yeah, oh yeah, massively, yeah. But especially on that scale where you can't actually see it, It was almost as though it was an abstract thought as opposed to being being able to see a process. So I think it was only once I'd moved on from that and and done the same processes but smaller that I actually realised what was happening as opposed to just learning verbatim the mechanics of doing it. Yeah, so So, I guess you could do it on something tangible to make it make sense. yeah, Yeah, Yeah. so it took me quite a while to learn probably about another six months to be sort of fully fledged um, and yeah I, so once I got to that point I was pretty pretty comfortable nothing can phase you at that point yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> doors would come round yeah, yeah. And, you know you'd be like sort of spinning templates and you know yeah. the tools would be like oh yeah what are you bringing now and blah 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 and asking you all these questions and you'd just be like chatting away and yeah so yeah but still on top of everything and all that yeah. whereas I guess if that had happened in your first week or so you're oh, not in yeah. a great place I'll just have a meltdown I think yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a little bit like you know when you learn to drive 
and you just feel like you haven't got enough heads or arms or feet or minds. Yeah, you can't speak can't at the same time yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, you yeah, just yeah. have to focus and do it. Yeah. And that doesn't always help. No, exactly. <laughs> um, but then eventually you get so used to driving that you're also singing along to the radio whilst planning your dinner, thinking about what washing you need to do, what you're doing at the weekend, and all yeah. of these other different things. It became like that. Yeah. You sort of become completely fluent in it. Yeah. It does show, though, I think, why you, the brewer's assistant is so important. So if yeah. you're focusing on all these things, you really do need the hops to be measured out, you know, yeah. all of your additions and all that sort of stuff yeah. to be there. So that person is invaluable as well, sort of to make yeah. it all work together. Yeah, it was very important. But also, as a brewer, you had to be careful not to become complacent that that person was doing all of this stuff for you. Um because you might sometimes um, get an error. Mm -hmm. So the assistant might weigh out the wrong hop or the right hop but the wrong bucket or something like that. So within this day where everything was time dependent and you were dashing around like a mad thing, um, you had to also stop and right, open this bucket is this target? You, you know, and you couldn't tell all the hops from all other hops, but there were certain ones where you could be pretty sure, like, that's definitely target or that's definitely fuggles or, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, so you definitely, in amongst having autopilot, you also needed to be switched on to what am I actually doing today? You couldn't mm -hmm. sort of just be on cruise control or yeah. something like that yeah you've yeah. got to be sort of yeah, proactive and everything yeah that's cool and then uh, how long were you on the big kit for I call it the big kit I don't know yeah, it has a different name yeah. it is a massive kit yeah yeah before, I always call uh, it the yeah, big kit yeah because Phyllis had the pilot kit as well yeah so um, it was about two years so the pilot kit um, came in on the scene in 2018 and you've spoke to Henry Kirk, right? I have, yeah. Yeah, had a so... Chat, yeah. And Henry was the first person we interviewed on We Are Beer People, so scroll back to have a listen to that episode. At the time, he was my team lead, and as far as I understood, I thought he was going to run the pilot kit. So I was just carrying on as a shift brewer. I don't know why I thought that's what was happening. I don't think anybody actually told me that. I think I just assumed that because he was <laughs> team lead, he would be sorting that out, especially because he like wrote recipes and stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, one day I, I was just doing, um, I was on shift and I'm dashing around and I happened to be in the office because I was filling the book out, the recipe book. And, um, at the time, the brewing manager was Guy Stewart. Mm -hmm. um, and he just called me into his office. It's like, oh, have you got a minute? I'm fucking, not really, but... Right, yeah, <laughs> I'm fine. doing 10 things Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I am spinning all these yeah. plates, but yeah, I'm 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, so I'll go into his office and he's like, he's like, can you sit down? I'm like, oh, no, I'm in trouble. What have I done? <laughs> And he said, oh, Hayley, um, how do you fancy a holiday? And I was thinking, 
oh, I'm not going back to Tenby. No. <laughs> well, like, they'd sent me to, to Wales. And I'd been to, um, oh, where is Tiny Rebel? Oh, Newport? New, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, but I'd gone to other places. I'd been to Tenby. Yeah. And, um, they'd sent me there previously. Did they call that a holiday as well? When they were sort of yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do, you want, do you want to go there? <laughs> you know, do a little recce on how they run things and stuff. And yeah, it's like, oh, no, I'm, just, I'm not going back to Wales, no. <laughs> so I was like, um... And he was like, no, no, like, a proper holiday this time. And I'm like, okay, there's definitely a catch. What's going on? <laughs> um, so I'm just like, okay, uh, yeah. Um, and he's going, right, so... You know, the pilot kit? Yeah. Right, well, we've been chatting and um, we've decided that you should be the brewer that helps commission it and then run it. And I was like, what? Wow. Yeah, what? what are you talking about? <laughs> Me? Like, and obviously I didn't say that because you're trying to, I'm just trying to yeah. keep it all in, in, in my head. Yeah. yeah, freaking out. Like, <gasps> <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I, I remember it was so funny. You know, sometimes your mind just feeds you these little stupid things. So somehow in my mind, um, a, a, a weird bit of it decided to go through an entire catalogue of have you ever commissioned anything before? <laughs> <laughs> and my, like in amongst my panic, my brain was just going, don't worry, don't you remember last year you built that Dyson all by yourself? Perfect. I was like, yeah. What's, <laughs> what's the That'd be fine. Thanks, brain. Yeah, thanks for that. Perfect. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so my, obviously, you know, my heart's going a million miles an hour yeah. and I'm panicking. But on the outside, I'm just going, oh, great. Oh, well, what an opportunity. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, he's going, yeah, so your first job is you need to go to Bulgaria. You're going to go to the factory where they're building the kit. We've got all these papers that show you how the kit's supposed to be and you've got to go and check. Make sure that it's all going to plan. I'm like thinking, cool. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to do any of this. <laughs> Help. Um, but, yeah, on the outside, I'm just going, wonderful. Like a, like a swan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pub we're in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. You could say a swan. Um, probably slightly more panicky than a swan. Um, Just on the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also, there's also this part of my brain that's like, I really need to get back to the brew. Like, stuff's happening. Over. Time's ticking. <laughs> yeah, ta- yeah, exactly. I've been more than 30 seconds now. So I'm just like, oh, okay. Wow. What a wonderful opportunity. This is great. Um, and I just... I feel like the next sort of month of my life was just a massive blur, just trying to come to terms with this ginormous beast I'd just been handed. Um, And, yeah, it's just... I remember sort of texting people within the industry that were, you know, my friends, Mm -hmm. um, but that were more experienced than me. I'd just been like, you're never going to guess what this oh my gosh what am I going to do have you ever done this what do you do and yeah just people just be like it's okay like you know and um eventually 
I got to know the team better that were working on it. So George was there. So, you know, it wasn't like I was all by myself. Yeah. Um, George was there um, and there was one of our project engineers. So he was there. Um, and then the guys that were building the kit. Um, so they obviously all knew what they were doing. Um, so it was less scary with time, but still the most mammoth thing I've ever taken on in life. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've called it a pilot kit, but it's pilot kit by Fuller's standards. It's ginormous, isn't it? It's yeah, like it's 15 Bigger than probably a lot of, you know, smaller breweries, craft breweries and things like that. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. And um, um, not only that, it was built to be as close of a replica to the big kit as possible. So it had loads of stuff on it that you would not put on a 15 hectoliter kit. It just, there was just no reason to have it other than because they wanted to scale up from small to big, they wanted it to be as similar as possible. But that meant like, instead of it having a hydrator, it had a steel masher which was like the most ginormous thing you've seen because they don't make them for 15 hectoliter kits. So it was like this giant steel masher going into this tiny little mash tun. <laughs> so a grist hydrator combines grain with the hot liquor as it's added into the mash tun. And the idea is it's mixed together at this point to avoid any clumps of grain forming that would mean you get less out of your mash. And the steels masher, as Haley says, is like the Rolls Royce of these. It often uses a big auger that turns to mix all of the grain and water together uniformly, but it's often a lot larger. It had its own external work boiler, which a lot of small kits don't have because they just use the steam jacket of the kettle. So, yeah, loads of things had its own mill and its own grist case and absolutely everything you could control to the nth degree so that it was as similar as possible. Yeah, it was... I think simultaneously the absolute best time of my life where I grew the most, learned the most, matured the most, but also the hardest, most grueling and stressful time. Like I wouldn't ever take it back as as hard as I know it was. Mm. I you know, if somebody said to get where you are now, you have to go back and do that again, I'd do it again. But when you're the, once it was installed and I was the sole person running it, there's nobody to pass it. It's not shifts. You can't pass it on to the next person. Oh, I haven't, haven't quite had time to do that. Can you pick this up or whatever? It kind of stops with you. Yeah. At that point, yeah. Yeah, and you've got an amount of work you've got to get done. And so the amount of weeks where I'd get in at seven and I didn't leave till seven every day um, just to get where I needed to be with this kit. And at the, at the same time, um, I was trying to do my final diploma module, which I'd signed up to not knowing I was going to do the pilot kit. Just everything happening all at once. Yeah. Now. Um, I'd also just bought my house with my husband, was my boyfriend at the time, and it had no heating, didn't have proper electrics, um, so, and it was February, so <laughs> it was freezing. Um, so, I, you know, my evenings were spent sitting at the dining room table with several fleeces on, trying to do my revision. And, and my days were just spent in the pilot brewery. Um, and I had, you know, 
the watches that count your steps. Oh, yeah. Oh, and how many steps you can do <laughs> in the smallest pace possible in one day. I do like 20,000 steps in a day. You've never left that. Yeah, area. but yeah. just like round around in circles like a crazy <laughs> person. Yeah, so no, it was just mad. I remember one day where the pilot kit was, it was connected to the shop. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, that you could see through all the windows. And sometimes people would come up to the window and sort of stare in or whatever. But one day somebody started knocking on the window. I was like, oh, it's that bloody idiot. Like, go away, sort of thing. Um, and I turned and it was my husband. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh. <laughs> so I sort of went over to the window. I was like, what are you doing here? And he was like, Haley, I've not seen you for five days. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry about that. Um, I do exist yeah. I'm here. This is where I live now. Yeah, yeah, yes, this is my home. It's got I mean, heating. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. It's warm and there's yeah. lights in here. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, but it was like, um, I don't know, I just, I formed such an attachment to, to that kit because it felt like mine. Like, yeah. I'd sort of, not on my own, but a lot of it brought it to into being and what it was and got it going. We did three brews as a as a team of us to get the kit going. But then that was it. After those three brews, everyone was like, right, see ya. Good luck. Ah. Carry on. <laughs> yeah. See ya. Yeah. What did that feel like when um, you had those first brews going through and um, just try the first beers that came out of it. On the f- on the f- first brew day, I I got so sort of stressed and agitated by the whole thing and and feeling like I was completely out of control that I just cried because I was like I don't know what I'm doing and I'm never going to learn all this and um, like it was just so emotional like. I'd invested so much of my time into it, but in that moment, I felt like I was never going to be enough to understand everything that I needed to understand and be quick enough at doing everything that I needed to do. Um, And I just got so overwhelmed. Mm. Um, But with each brew, I understood more and I got better at what I was doing. But even so, it was still only three brews. So I remember cleaning everything down after the last of the three, three brews. And I was supposed to be doing a brew on my own the next day. So I just remember this so vividly, standing in front of the tanks and just being like, right? And I actually spoke out loud to the tanks. <laughs> you and me. Yeah, I was just like, cool, so just me and you now guys <laughs> like it'll be fine please be good okay. did they have names yes yeah. <laughs> some of them That's did right, yeah. yeah so actually um <laughs> one of them um so i'll have to tell you a bit of the backstory this because one of the names comes from my husband um so my husband's a police officer and when he first joined, um, him and the guys that all were on response team together, um, they'd often have to respond to, you know, 
the drugs and whatever on a Friday or a Saturday, like that kind of thing. And they would always get the same thing where someone would be going, oh, you're hurting me, but I want to make a complaint. What's your name? And so, and they would all say, my name's Gary. (laughs) (laughs) And none of the officers were called Gary. (laughs) So, you know, these guys sort of go into custody and they but right, I want to make a complaint. Okay, which officer? Gary. Yeah, Officer Gary, no problem. <laughs> like it would been wouldn't be any of them. Yeah. But because of that, one day I was talking to my husband and I'm saying, right, I want to give some of the tanks names. And so I was going, what about the copper? What can I call the copper? And he was like, Yeah, for real, it's a copper. It's gotta be called Gary. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, obviously. 100%, yeah. Yeah, so the copper was called Gary. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other tanks, so like the FEs, each time that I did um, a brew, like in collaboration with other people, I would be like, okay, well, your brew is the first brew going into this FE, therefore you get to name the FE. And so Giving it became all that responsibility. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Else, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. people would name the yeah. FE. Um, so I had like a, a whiteboard in there um, that would say what was in each of the tanks, and it started off quite sensible, you know, FE one, FE two. But I, over time, we just rubbed them all out and put the names of the tanks on, um, which was fine for me. But if I had to say, for example, on a weekend get someone to take a sample and be like, oh, yeah, you need to take a sample out of... Oh, I can't remember what they were called now, but say it was like Bob. Yeah. <laughs> and like, uh, which one's Bob? <laughs> so... Right. Well, you've introduced yeah. your own language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to get your own back at this point. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. Like, it's not too far different from when you're in your room with like a fermenter with a ski jacket on at this point. Yeah, 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 pretty much, yeah. Bit more control. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> so I think um, we'll probably go on to talk about Siren yeah. in the next episode. So yeah. we'll just pause it there and if everyone can join us shortly. We'll catch up with them then yeah so thank you very much for listening and i hope you can join me on the next one and this is the part where i ask for your help if you haven't done so already please subscribe to the podcast leave a review or rating or share it with others this really helps us out and helps other people find the podcast particularly as we're starting out and you can follow us on social media search for we are beer people all one word You can also email us at wearebeerpeoplepod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Share your thoughts. And if you have any recommendations for beer people you'd like to hear from. And until next time, don't forget, you, me, us, them, we are all beer people.